While we're still lining up the calls, um, let me just remind people that it's always good to step aside if you're a regular caller on Coast to Coast and let the young ones behind you learn from your example and uh, practice their calling skills on Coast to Coast. And so it's always great to hear fresh voices, just like we did all last night for Open Lines. All right, Dr. Tennant, I was looking at... um, At uh, at uh, Doctor Feelgood, uh, Max Jacobson, yes. and he yeah. was one of the two doctors who was invited to the uh, uh, to the inauguration. He was up there with Doctor Janet Travell, and it seems like there was like a like I was going to say good cop, bad cop, but maybe it's sort of like a good cop, feel good cop. Um, thing going on, and that these quote unquote vitamin injections that doctor that uh, JFK was being given by Max Jacobson were as they were with many other celebrities at the time, uh, controversial and secretive. What do you know about the injections that were being given to JFK to treat his pain? Well, I can tell you a lot about what the ingredients do. And I fully understand why Dr. Jacobson did this. In a way, given the the time in history that he developed these, you have to give him some credit because he did devise a cocktail that in cases of like arachnoiditis or severe spinal conditions, would have a lot of therapeutic merit. Uh, The methamphetamine that was in the injection, of course, was an addictive, is an addictive drug, and we have quite an epidemic of it now in this country. But there were three major ingredients in his cocktails. The one was the methamphetamine, the second was niacin, but the one that had the therapeutic uh, effects was human chorionic gonadotrophin, and a lot of people don't know what that is. But human chorionic gonadotrophin is the hormone in our human bodies that grow the nervous system. And in a baby, uh, an embryo, uh, the body and the placenta start secreting increased levels of human chorionic gonadotrophin to make the baby's nervous system grow. And in fact, a pregnancy test is finding out when the the woman secretes more HCG than normal. And that's the the therapeutic part of the shot that John F. Kennedy needed. And that's what he found helped him. And that's when he said he was going to keep taking those shots regardless. Yeah, he he Uh, used a very crass way of describing it. It's a great quote. Yeah, now where Dr. Jacobson got the HCG, he got it from two different sources apparently. One was he was able to buy it from a horse uh, uh, serum or urine, but he also obtained raw placenta. Now, where he got it, gosh knows, uh, but he actually got placenta that uh, was, uh, you know, excreted after a woman delivered. He kept the, the placenta in his refrigerator, and then he would extract the hormones from the placenta put him in his cocktail and the number of famous people who went to him to get right. this is, is astounding it uh it almost gives you a new look of who were these people in america and 
did they really need this uh, cocktail uh, uh, or did they not? Uh, and uh, some of the other things about Dr. Jacobson, you can certainly understand why he was uh, controversial. You can also understand why John F. Kennedy, given his disease, of, of uh, understand why he benefited uh, medically from those injections. Uh, you, uh, apparently, uh, the uh, the authors of the book, Dr. Feelgood, they did a, a yeoman's job of uh, documenting these things and wrote the book. Uh, and I've uh, and they went to great lengths to interview people to find out what the cocktail did. And and, and again, you want to talk about sexual uh, uh, boosting? Uh, that shot uh, apparently the cocktail would do that, and I'm sure it did, knowing the pharmacology of the of those compounds. But what's uh, what makes the medical song of John F. Kennedy uh, so? One of the things that makes it so amazing is that. Uh, he, Dr. John Kennedy himself felt that he could not have finished the campaign or entered the debate with Nixon without this cocktail. Right. And what's amazing is that just, just like athletes did, or just like Elvis Presley did before he would sing, before the debates with Nixon, he went to see Dr. Jacobson an hour before and actually took an injection into his larynx, into his throat with the cocktail. And uh, so these these are astounding findings or uh, understanding of uh, how he functioned and, and, and how he did things. Uh, the At that time, he, uh, again, it's a little bit like LSD. LSD, at the time it was, he was taking it, it was considered a safe drug and, and even legitimate. And, what and, Dr. Therapeutic. Was, and therapeutic. And what Dr. Jacobson was doing was perfectly legal and and it wasn't accepted by Dr. Travell or his other doctors, but nevertheless, it was legal at that time. And you saw the famous people who uh, were willing to go see Dr. Jacobson and take it. And uh, uh, I, I kind of regret that they called him Dr. Feelgood. I, I know that's the name of the book, and, and I, I guess it did do that. But it also, in a way, I, I kind of am sorry to uh, see that. Because it, uh, some of the things that Dr. Jacobson did, I mean, they were about as far out as you could get by today's standards. But on the other hand, therapeutically, he, did, he obviously did a lot of good for somebody. Right. An awful lot of famous people felt they, he, he really helped them. And, uh, the, uh, and good, bad, or indifferent, uh, I have another book on my shelf, an underground book, uh, written by a, an orthopedist who uh, really wrote an underground Bible on anabolic steroids. Well, uh, I mean, and he wrote it during the time that anabolic steroids uh, used by bodybuilders and by athletes was, was legal and acceptable. And so we have a history in the country of people using these performance-enhancing drugs prior to uh, they were being either banned or ostracized or regulated uh, into pretty much oblivion. But uh, but the part of the saga, uh, having Dr. Jacobson, uh, uh, you know, starting off in his presidential campaign in 1960 and continuing on with those cocktails up to his death. Yeah. So, uh, uh, well, these are the facts uh, of the matter. Uh, very strange indeed. Uh, and food for thought. Not only uh, with Dr. Jacobson treating, uh, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy, but the authors of the book, uh, uh, 
the two men who wrote wrote the book uh, felt that the number of famous people who took that cocktail may have influenced their behaviors and maybe even changed some of the course of history. Yeah, you know, you really can't argue with him. With them. they, yeah. they may have they may have a point there. Well, you know, it, I, I want to tease something out a little bit because you used two things interchangeably, and I want to make sure I understand because I don't think I didn't think they were synonymous. You said originally uh, that the compound included amphetamines, and then you said methamphetamines. So, yeah. can you, can you talk about that? Yeah. yeah. Explain the difference, because it contained both. So complain, explain the difference between well, that. Well, I'm not sure you, you really can. Uh, okay. We don't know exactly what it was. Apparently, it was methamphetamine, according to the uh, uh, the book that was written by uh, about Okay. It. But what is so uh, different about a methamphetamine as opposed to an amphetamine? The, the uh, Methamphetamine is a much more soluble, potent compound. Okay. That's why. In other words, so, uh, on a scale of one to ten, methamphetamine is a ten, amphetamine is a four. Okay, and that's why it had, you know, this injection had methamphetamines, animal hormones, uh, yes, a yes. human pl- placenta extract, painkillers, steroids, and some sort of multivitamin. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, and 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 it worked, and enough that. It obviously, kept, but it also had all other side effects, which we can't measure because we we didn't observe. And a good doctor would never. I mean, there's only so much you can say without actually observing the patient. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. I, we got a lot of people want to talk to you. I didn't want to dominate, but I want to also be clear. Um, so thank you for that. I think it's fascinating. Uh, we're we Doctor Forrest uh, Tennant, the strange medical saga. Of John F. Kennedy. Let's start with Mike in Seattle on Coast to Coast. Mike? Thank you very much, Ian. Now, uh, you have touched on Dr. Jacobson very thoroughly, and uh, Mr. Mark Grobert, who has uh, researched with uh, Mr. Uh, the man who did the Kennedy film. Uh, now, he said that the thing is not that well documented. I just want to ask you about the case where. Uh, where Robert Kennedy had withdrawn these drugs, and uh, JFK asked Mr. Uh, Jacobson for a double dose and became completely high, and I was streaking in a hotel lobby. Do you know anything about that, Dr. Kennedy? No, I don't. Uh, I I don't. I've never heard that story, but he was streaking, so they say. All right, Uh, I wish I could tell you more about that, Mike. Douglas is east of the Rockies on Coast to Coast for Dr. Forrest Tennant. Go ahead, Douglas. Hello. Am I on the air, Dr. Yep. Tennant? Yes, I, I can hear you. I would like to talk about the one symptom of Addison's disease that you failed to talk about, which is a hyperpigmentation, which I like to call a built-in tan which I, I wonder how much that helped, you know, JFK maybe uh, with his his campaign and everything. Okay. Getting to oh, the White House. I don't think he failed to talk about it on the air, but go ahead, uh, Dr. Tennant, do you want to address that? It's really, that's a fascinating question because 
there are several passages in reading about John F. Kennedy that he always had a tan and looked so handsome. And, you know, I met John F. Kennedy once, hmm. and I must confess, he was handsome, good-looking, tanned, and I'm going to guess that that Addison's tan helped him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be my guess, uh, because if you've ever seen an Addison's tan, it is handsome. I mean, there's no no two ways about it. It's kind of a bronze, and uh, and you really think that it's uh, it, it it actually beautifies the individual, both men and women. I've seen it many times, and every time I've seen it, I say, you know, it's too bad that represents a terrible disease because they should right. look good. <laughs> and but you do mention in the book how he had often at other times he looked kind of jaundiced and bluish. Yeah. Right. That's right. In what other words, that? It, uh, that bronze uh, can, uh, you know, switch right on over to being pretty yellow too. If it's uh, if it's too bad, so uh, uh, but the coloration can be a, a good or bad situation. But I think it is interesting right. that uh, that uh, uh, you know he got elected to Congress at age twenty nine, and uh, uh, and so he there's some passages that he that it was he looked bronzed or jaundiced, jaundiced, but. Uh, like I say, he. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, it may have helped him. I hate to it, say it, but uh, right when, when it got it under control, maybe that's the way to think yes. of it. That when it was when it, the Addisons was like you know running rampant, that would be one thing. But later on, when they were able to control a little bit, it seemed like it it slid into that category of that tannish bronze as opposed yes. to yeah. yellow or Absolutely. blue. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, Carol, who's in Minneapolis on Coast to Coast. Carol? Hello again, Ian. This is the second time I've gotten through with you. <laughs> oh, well, good. Well, let's not make it too reg. I wouldn't do it, but go ahead. Uh, you had a question for I Dr. I the same thing I did last time we spoke, and that is put in a plug for your great <laughs> true crime, bluegrass true crime oh, that's family sweet history again. Yeah, thank you. A black night for the bluegrass bell. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And it's one of my keepers. Good. Thank you. But I'd like to ask uh, uh, Dr. Tennant, you know, I think it was around the 50th anniversary of the assassination, and of course this year it's the 60th, but I was reading things because Kennedy is another one of my fascinations, and um, is there any medical consensus today that... Without the assassination, Kennedy had less than 10 years to live anyway because of his um, adrenal condition. That's a great question. How, what would you have given as a prognosis for life? See, uh, he was. what's fascinating about him, the year he was assassinated was probably the best year of his health of his life because he had all these doctors, uh, Dr. Krauss working on his physical therapy. He still was taking all the... His hormones, his pain was under control. He may have lived quite a while. Uh, we'll never know. Uh, but well-controlled Addison's disease and thyroid disease, he he died at about age 46. He, he could have gone another 10, 20 years, uh, would have been my guess. But, you know, interestingly enough, uh, Dr. Max Jacobson himself was dead by 47 from self-administered vitamin shots and that and even mickey mantle had um complications from those shots uh, and 
including an infection and an abscess. So other things could have gone wrong had he continued down that path. Oh, those shots that he was taking uh, would have been a disaster after a while. And I think the the book, uh, uh, the... uh, Mr. Lertzman and Burns, they were the two fellows that wrote the, wrote the book. They were excellent investigators, and they got into it in, in details. But today, I mean, it, just to even think about injecting what was in that cocktail a single time is kind of frightening. Uh, but uh, so, if, again, if Kennedy had kept on those injections, uh, I don't think he'd live very long. Yeah. That would be the question. So maybe that would, itself would have prevented him from serving out a complete second term. He would have campaigned well, as you said, he was 63, yeah. and he was in great health and was feeling lots of vigor. Uh, but maybe by 64 or 65, it would have been diminishing returns. Um, I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so several people hanging on for you. They'll just have to a little bit longer, and then we'll get on as many as we can. The Strange sure. Medical Saga of John F. Kennedy, uh, Dr. Forrest Tennant. You can link up to him through coasttocoastam.com, and you can find out more there on the website about the Tennant Foundation. And also, if you didn't, um, that first hour was so much fun with uh, my friends, the Cow Sills. Uh, Paul and Susan and Bob. And if you go there and you listen to that new song, I think you're going to really enjoy it. They've got this um, very cool vibe with Dwayne Eddy doing the guitar. Uh, and and Or you can listen to it if you have Coast Insider. Just go back anytime. But it was fun. They were great. Uh, but this has just been terrific. This is just what I was hoping for. Uh, the strange medical saga of John F. Kennedy continues on Coast to Coast AM, this is Ian Punnett. Well, I just love the way this conversation has gone. Thank you so much, Dr. Tennant. I know this is a very long time to be on the radio, but I, I hope you feel like we've done some justice to your book and all of your research. Okay. Incidentally, I just heard you say something that I would like to make a, a comment on. Well, go you ahead. You said that this, this man had, uh, was, could have died at any time in his life, and you wonder if this wasn't some kind of fate. Yeah. You know, I've rarely ever said that about people, but I almost wondered that myself. Yeah. It just it just is such a medical chain of miracles. I mean, one or two, yeah, but his is just one big, long chain of surviving when you shouldn't. And so one has to do wonder if there's some other power out there that was pulling him along or something. I, uh, you know, so I just wanted to comment that I'm. No, that, I'm I think that's fair. Do you want to, let's play with that for just a second before we go back to the phones. Yep. You know, I think you'd, here's what I here, here's what I, I I'm I have a degree in theology, right? So I, I think about this sort of stuff all the time, but I am not one who believes that everything happens for a reason. I do, And I think that especially as, a, as somebody who served as a chaplain in hospitals, um, as a chaplain intern, sorry, in hospitals and done a couple of rotations for oh. months at a time, I'm disinclined to say, well, there must have been a reason that that person was hit by that drunk driver coming around the corner. 
I don't believe in that. I believe that the drunk driver shouldn't have been there. That person was not an agent of God to go kill uh-huh. some child who just happened to be crossing sure. the street at the wrong time, right? So right. It, part of me looks at that and I go, wow, that's like, that's totally seems like, as you say, it's almost like a, like a, like a nefesh, like some sort of divine wind was carrying him you know, into the White House yeah. and surviving all of these things. But you'd hate to think that, that all of that happened just so that he would be assassinated before the first term was over and die a horrible death after all. Right? Yeah. That's the part that seems like they just doesn't I can't I can't reconcile those two things. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't add up, does it? <laughs> no. But I mean I, I so get that I'm tempted to say that, but then I get to the part where he's shot in the head and I think, well, what an awful way to go after all oh, of yeah. that other stuff that he had done to survive to be assassinated. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah. I can say. <laughs> yeah. How did, how did you meet him? How did you uh, meet him? I was, uh, uh, I was a, a student at Hutchinson, Kansas, junior college in huh. 1960. Huh. And uh, he came there with Hubert Humphrey to debate. They were running for president and they, uh, came to Hutchinson to make a stop, and uh, I was uh, part of a group of students who had a chance to meet him and talk with him. And, uh, of course, we were thrilled, and he was, I guess, a personable, uh, just as a kind, gentleman, uh, obviously enjoyed being there. We students loved him, uh, but that was my, uh, I actually met him briefly, and, uh, you know, and even though I wasn't a doctor at the time or anything, and just in looking back, I would never we thought he was just as physically fit as a fiddle. Right. No one would have ever suspected that he was wearing a big corset at the time and half half dead. <laughs> so, right. But, right. <laughs> so I, that was my one experience with him. Uh, that's a great one, though. Appreciate that. Let me get, let me get to uh, Blair, who's in Arizona on coast to coast for Doctor Forrest Tennant, the strange medical saga of John F. Kennedy. Go ahead, Blair. Thank you, Ian. And Dr. Tennant, I, too, had the opportunity to see and hear in person John F. Uh-huh. Kennedy back in 1962 when he spoke at my dad's alma mater. I see. Uh-huh. Good. Yeah, so you see Berkeley's uh, <laughs> Charter Day on March 23, 1962. He spoke about peaceful exploration of space with Russia and the importance of a college education toward the successful maintenance of a democratic republic. It was one of the greatest moments of my life, sir. Um, Listen, um, I'm going to change my question, Ian, because it was already partially answered at the bottom of the hour to um, John F. Kennedy and marijuana pot. Do you have any uh, anecdotes about his use of marijuana? Well, well, as you say, there were these rumors about uh, the use of LSD, and and if you read not in any medical – uh, documents, which is what I really focused on. Uh, th- th- there are those rumors that he used some marijuana here and there, and uh, I have no reason to doubt it or to, or to believe it either one. You know, and thank you, Blair. I appreciate you sharing that story. In a way, too, pot falls into this other category where, it, you know, the the quote-unquote the war on drugs— there were hadn't started yet. There wasn't 
there were things that were thought of. It really hadn't the the hip the, the summer of love hadn't happened yet. The hippie explosion hadn't happened yet. So some of this was sort of exotic um, behavior, but it wouldn't have been totally out of the mainstream for somebody like that to have experimented with it. You didn't have to go to the dark side of town or something like that to to do that. So I do think that your point on these drugs kind of we have a way of looking back on them and that we sort of we're sort of guilty of presentism when we think of them. But at the time, it was probably a different thing. So that perhaps not as unusual. Um, Let's go to uh, Art, who's in California on Coast to Coast AM for Dr. Forrest Tennant. Go ahead. Good evening, Ian. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Dr. Tennant. Uh, JFK truly must have been an extraordinary and a strong man. I have spinal injuries since 1994, and I live with the kind of pain where I could only sleep on the floor. And I say, Jesus, help me when I got to turn from side to side. Right. And thank you for writing the book. I don't want to go off topic, but uh, where does a person like me turn? I'm 54 now. They closed all the... uh, pain management clinics in California here that took Medi-Cal. And I've been dealing with this pain 18 months, and I want to call it quits. My dad's 89, and uh, if you have a suggestion, I called my senator. I called my congresswoman. You know, they giggle when they hear you sleep on the floor or you could get in your car only three times in a month. Makes me want to cry. I'm not going to cry on you, lady. But, uh, no, no, yeah, I where, get that, where dude. Where can I turn to? To... Uh, to, to, to get help. It's physical pain. Emotionally, I'm very strong. Yeah. That's why I said Kennedy must have been an extraordinarily strong person to do what he did, because I know this kind of pain. Dr. Yep. Tennant? Well, uh, I'm getting a little away from John F. Kennedy, but I will say this. Uh, the story you're, you're telling is all too common these days, and that we have too many people who have been deprived of the treatment that's worked for them for some time, and they can't get it at, at this time. Uh, exactly what you do would take longer than what we have here. But I will say a couple of things that you might want to know. And just very recent, because of this restriction on opioids, uh, the, the best new discovery that's come along is something called polypeptides. The information about this is just brand new out there. Try to look it up and remember that term, polypeptides. Also remember the term regeneration hormones. There are some new things being developed to substitute for opioids. Uh, I'm very involved with that movement, and uh, so is our foundation. But don't give up hope. We, there are some alternatives being developed, but uh, and I'm hoping that uh, the, the medical boards and the government and what have you realize that there are some people worthy of and, and are legitimate pain patients who need some of the things just like John F. Kennedy did. But, but don't give up hope. Hang in there. There's a lot of people rooting for you. Okay. Okay, but how, how does he get to that information? Where who's going to have that, and where is that available for somebody like start, him to be able to use? You can start looking it. up. Uh, Look on our our website is really under arachnoiditis, which is the worst form of back pain you can have. You right. can look on that and get started. Uh, uh, I, it's a good place to start at that at that point. Uh, there's a, a newspaper a news uh, there, there's something called Pain News Network. 
uh, a gentleman out of uh, Glendale, California, by the name of Pat Anson, publishes a, a newsletter each day for pain patients. It's called Pain News Network. Start looking on that, and and that's a good place to start, okay? Uh, because uh, uh, I don't think there's any question. It's no secret that everybody knows the health system is kind of broken down. Nobody knows anything. Uh, uh, during the COVID epidemic, uh, we already had a health system that was teetering a little bit on trying to help people, and a good part of the health system has kind of fallen apart because of yeah, it. it has. But if you're a pain patient, start with Pain News Network uh, on your Internet. Look up uh, arachnoiditis for the Tenet Foundation. We've got some stuff on there. But uh, you've got some friends out there and a lot of supporters you're not aware of yet. But uh, And some new things, a lot of new things are being developed. Okay, and a lot of them don't need prescriptions, a lot of things to help yourself. Just don't give up hope, and uh, uh, we'll be rooting for you, okay? Art, does that help? And also, I did complete a five-year accounting degree. It took me 12 years at Cal State Northridge, so nobody give up hope either. There you okay, go. Great. Can do it. great to hear. You can do Thank that, Art. I appreciate that. that. Thank you, Ian. No, no, thank you. And, you know, again, from my end of that conversation at when i'd be working in the role as a, a hospital chaplain i think one of the things that we forget is that even friends and family get tired of hearing about problems and they they give up wanting to be able to be a conversation partner or to be a cheerleader so it's really important what you said and to be in a support group I think that's one of the things that if if your organization offers that or you can refer that, I think to be around other people who are going through what he's going through as opposed to other people who aren't. And the other people who aren't may mean well when they go, oh, yep, then, well, thanks for telling me. And, you know, I, but the people who are going through it with him, they're the ones I think that may offer the greatest hope in the end. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh because people who have, uh, you know, the kind of pain that Sean F. Kennedy yeah. had, they're not not real common. No. Uh, a lot of people have pain. I mean, I've got, you know, a lot of people have chronic pain with their arthritis or their bunions or their carpal tunnel or migraines, right, right. something like that. But then you get these really severe cases, and they're really quite uncommon. And there are social media groups out there, and if they weren't there, a lot of people would just commit suicide or give up and die. Uh, so yeah. I, I, you're you are so right that that people who have that kind of pain, who, uh, people who have intractable pain, need to find each other. Uh, no question about it. Just like and you, just like joining an AA group, you gotta you gotta meet with other people who have the same problem. Right, and and for veterans, this is really important too. And to um, for somebody like Art who just called in. That's what I would add to that is it, it's that's where you really need to keep pushing forward until you can find a group, even if you're meeting on Zoom, even if you're Absolutely. meeting. I mean, yeah. right. I mean, you don't have to be sitting in a church basement in a circle on, you know, festival chairs with bad coffee. You can you can have the same success just by looking at other people's faces and hearing their story and them hearing yours and not getting tired of it. 
um, and yeah. being able to share that. So uh, that's well that's said. My well hope. said. Yeah, that's that's my hope for him. Uh, there is an Easter somewhere in your life, Art. Hang in there. Uh, Mike is west of the Rockies on coast to coast. Mike. Hey, how's it going, Ian? Good. You get the last question for Doctor Tennant. Oh, great! I listened to your internship in the '90s. Good stuff. Yeah. And uh, good evening, Doctor Tennant. I got a good question for you here. You bet. A pattern we've seen for a long time: pain cure, cause effect. Uh, you know, antidote. Here you go. I'm just wondering through all of these. You know, people saying, why all this pain now? People didn't have this pain 50 years ago. What's going on here? Well, look at uh, after Tesla's hotel room was invaded by the KGB, uh, all of these electromagnetic devices, which could be the Habana syndrome, do you think possibly Kennedy and all the others were possibly being affected by this and went to the remedial uh, pain solutions huh. like a lot of our heroin addicts today. You're saying it's Thank an ex- you, could could it have been an external thing, um, uh, uh, you know, some sort of espionage during the Cold War uh, that exacerbated his pain. I think the record would justify the fact that this was all started inside and worked outward. But Dr. Tennant? Uh, Uh, Let me first off compliment you for making this observation. I've observed it for some time and had asked the very same question. Where did all these people come from? Uh, And what what is causing it? Uh, uh, And the theories that you mentioned, like electromagnetic waves, are there too many of them out there, and is this causing some of the pain syndromes? I can tell you one thing, that a bit of research uh, that's just come, come forward, and that is we now know that these latent viruses that we humans are carrying are activating and causing autoimmune manifestations and, and severe intractable pain in many people. So uh, I'm not 100% certain why... We seem to have an awful lot of people in pain today that weren't there, uh, let's say, 30 or 40 years ago. I don't exactly have the answers. I've got some theories, but I'm going to compliment you for even recognizing it. And, you know, it may be something that we're just missing in society and not asking this obvious question. Where did all these people come from that have this severe pain? Uh, Okay. Yeah. uh, I I I think here is another suggestion, though, too, is that, you know, it, there used to be a, a, a uh, there was a time when the idea of self-medication um, through alcohol, for example, uh, was much more socially acceptable. Um, and we know that a lot of returning soldiers with PTSD, we look at jokes that used to be on TV all about being drunk all the time, that that was just a source of humor. And, hey, everybody's like this. And that's changed. So maybe some of the pain is actually people finally dealing with the cause and not just glossing over it with, you know, some other type of treatment. I don't know. Well, I hope you're right. Yeah. Listen, I hope you I hope you had a great time and we didn't wear you out too much Um, because I know it's a late night and you you blessed us with this and it was perfect. So thank you so much for the effort uh, and for the book, um, The Strange Medical Saga of John F. Kennedy, Dr. 
Forrest Tenet. You can link up to him and his foundation on the front page of uh, coasttocoastam.com above the fold. Long is the cycle of birth and death to the fool who does not know the true path. That's what the Buddha said. Spring is a time for renewal, um, but it has to start within two. So with death, there is always rebirth. And true change is the rebirth of the way we learn. So make this year your best year yet. Um, and thank you for making us a part of it. I think I get an extra chance to be on this coming Friday. Take a look at the schedule. In the meantime, happy Easter. Deus te amat. And I do too.